is Express FM. Supported by the University of Portsmouth. We are passionately Pompey. We begin to look forward, work together to create a Portsmouth football club that we can all be proud to be associated with. Pure, unadulterated Pompey. It's a massive club, it's a massive opportunity for me. I know this atmosphere is special. I can't wait to see you at Full House and it rocking. Action and reaction. This is a huge football club. We're here to be hopefully successful. The infrastructure is changing, so really we want to start pushing forward and making Portsmouth a real force. Giving Pompey fans a voice. It's a club with a rich tradition, a rich heritage, but one that has an excellent relationship with its supporters. This is the Football Hour. The one team that stands out that's historic, that's had great success, that has a fan base that is amazingly passionate, is Portsmouth. The Blues were away from home at the weekend and got lost in New York. Ball into the box, it's chance, and it's a goal for Rotherham. And Portsmouth falling apart in the New York Stadium. Rotherham 4, Portsmouth 1. Tonight we'll hear the post-match reaction of Danny Cowley, who knows that Saturday's performance was nowhere near good enough. Good teams have to find ways of winning away from home, and um, at the moment we haven't got the substance in the group to be able to dig out those victories. Also this evening we'll hear from Colin Farmery, who talks about the Pompey Champions of England exhibition event at Fratton Park on Friday afternoon. It's been a long time in gestation, this project, and COVID intervening hasn't helped, but I'm very, very proud proud of the outcome because I think it lives up to the concept I had in my mind I think of what, what we could achieve with this project On the show tonight the three of us will be reviewing the events of Saturday's pitiful defeat away to Rotherham United we'll also turn our attention to preview tomorrow's visit of Ipswich Town to Fratton Park and as always we want you back home to get in touch between now and 7 o'clock Good evening and welcome to Monday night at 6 o'clock which can mean only one thing you're listening to the Football Hour on Express FM This is the Football Hour, 93.7 Express FM. A very good evening once again to Express FM and the Football Hour, which tonight is brought to you by myself, Jake Smith, and my two studio guests, Tom Malley and Mark McGee. Like I said just a moment ago, our task tonight is to delve a little deeper into Saturday's 4-1 defeat away to Rotherham United. We'll also turn our attention and preview tomorrow's match at home to Ipswich Town as well. Match day number 13 of this League One season. And before we do leave you at 7 o'clock, we're also going to hear an interview with uh, Colin Farmery from the Pompey History Society. I caught up with him on Friday afternoon at the Pompey Champions of England exhibition launch event at Fratton Park. Some really exciting things going on at PO4 to uh, preserve a little bit of blues history. As always, Pompey fans, we want you back home to get involved between now and 7 o'clock. All of the usual ways at Express FM if you're on Twitter. You can uh, head over to our Facebook page as well, facebook.com forward slash Pompey Live. You can send a text starting with the word express to 81400 or you can email pompey at expressfm.com. Now, before we do go any further, unfortunately, it is that part of a show where we've got to revisit the events of Pompey's last outing. The Blues travelled to South Yorkshire the weekend to take on fifth place Rotherham United at the New York Stadium. Andy Moon and Guy Whittingham have a commentary. Everything we do is passionately Pompey. A wonderful goal! Every second of the action is right here. Chilton scores! 90 minutes of passionately Pompey commentary. He this is Pompey Live. Both lineups make their way out onto the pitch here at the New York Stadium. Rotherham players will be going from left to right in this first 45 minutes. Pompey from right to left, so Pompey defending their end, which has the Pompey fans who are in good voice, maybe seven or eight hundred of them away to our right-hand side. Pompey's second trip here. Here we go, we are underway, and immediately Rotherham lose the ball. And Pompey have it on the right-hand side, and quickly they look down the right-hand side for John Marcus. He's pumping his arms and legs to try and get there, but he won't get there ahead of Wood, who finds a hip way to play forward for Rotherham towards halfway. Throw from Wes Harding, goes short to Rathbone. Rathbone getting away from Williams, driving towards the penalty area. Grigg, corner of the box, goes to Harding. There are five red shirts in there, and it's a good cross, and it's headed in at the back post. And Michael Smith tells the Portsmouth fans to be quiet and waves his name at the visiting fans. But it's the simplest of headers at the far post. And you just knew the former Pompey man was going to come back to haunt the Blues today. Rotherham 1, Portsmouth 0. Williams 
is going to clear it long. And Barlazer trying to deal with it at the back. And Tanaka battling hard and winning it back for Pompey Hart. The pitch and finding Hardis outside the penalty area. Hardis is shot. Goal! Marcus Hardis sweeps it into the bottom corner. Tunnicliffe's hard work won the ball back. And Hardis scores for the second league game in a row. Another really composed finish. Four minutes into the second half. Rotherham Walters won. Here's Miller trying to drive forward once more. Comes in field. Rafbo is going to shoot from distance. And he'll send it straight to Bazunu. Terrible error from Bazunu. going to be in the net. No, how's it stopped out? Still could be in here. Michael Smith has his second. A horrible mistake from Bazunu. And despite desperate defending from both Braggart and Freeman, they couldn't quite keep the ball out. Two blocks were there. But then Smith back kills it past the two desperate defenders and the stricken goalkeeper. Laser to deliver. Whistle goes from referee Anthony Backhouse. This is whipped towards the far post. Lovely delivery, not it down and in. A third goal. And it's another ball in the box. And this time it's Richard Wood with his first of the season. A simple glancing header at the back post past Mizuno. And as we hit the hour mark, Portsmouth have an absolute mountain to climb. Rotherham three, Portsmouth one. On this left-hand side, Miller trying to take on Romeo. Trying to go round the outside, ball into the box. It's a good chance, and it's a third, fourth for Rotherham. Ben Wiles with his fourth of the season. Whipped into the near post, controlled with his right foot, swept home with his left foot. And Portsmouth falling apart at the New York Stadium. Rotherham four, Portsmouth one. And the huge cheer comes from the home fans. Boos come from the away fans because Portsmouth have been beaten by four goals to one. Every second of the action is right here. This is 93.7 Express FM. Pompey Live. The highlights there from the weekend as Pompey felt a 4-1 defeat away to Rotherham United. Match day number 12 of this League One season. That result putting Pompey down to 12th in the table uh, following that scoreline and results elsewhere. Let's take a look at some of the other results around the grounds in the division at the weekend then. And uh, AFC Wimbledon actually held Sheffield Wednesday to a 2 all draw at Plough Lane. Wigan Athletic 4-0 winners uh, away to Bolton Wanderers in a bit of a local derby at the University of Bolton Stadium. Ipswich, tomorrow's opponents, held to a 2 all draw away to Cambridge United. It finished Cheltenham 1, Accrington Stanley 0, Doncaster 0, Wickham Wanderers 2. Fleetwood defeated Crew Alexandra by three goals to nil. Sunderland, 2-1 winners away to Gilligan. Lincoln defeated Charlton by two goals to one. Charlton's poor start to the season continues. Oxford fell to a 3-1 defeat to Plymouth Argyle. Rotherham, of course, beating Pompey 4-1. And Shrewsbury, 1-0 winners against the MK Don. So looking at the table as a whole, Plymouth Argyle lead the way at the top of the table on 26 points. Wickham in second, also on 26, but with the game in hand. Your playoff teams at this stage of the campaign Wigan Athletic, Sunderland, Rotherham and MK Dons Pompey as mentioned are 12th and in the relegation zone Shrewsbury Town Charlton Athletic, Crew Alexandra and Doncaster Rovers who had just got seven points so far this season. Okay, I'm very delighted to welcome in my studio guest now and first of all, uh, making his debut in the studio is uh, Mark McGee. Mark, a very good evening. It is a pleasure to have you on mate. Yeah, lovely to be here, mate. Um, really excited to talk about. Uh, well, am I excited to talk about the game yesterday? <laughs> I guess I'm just excited about talk about football. But uh, happy to be here, Jake. And uh, alongside Mark uh, this evening, we have uh, Tom Malley, who again is also making his studio debut. Tom, great to see you, mate. Yeah, thanks for having us back, mate. It's nice to be able to actually come into the studio for the first time um, after such a long time. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Now, unfortunately, lads, we don't really have a, a lot of positives to talk about. We'll, we'll start with you, Mark. 4-1 defeat away to Rotherham United. You look at the scoreline as a whole, you know, on, on the balance of things on paper, 4-1 is a hefty, hefty defeat. When you actually pick apart the game, it really was just seven minutes of madness, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, to be honest, I mean, I, I myself didn't go to the game, but I saw the highlights, and obviously we, we started off very strong, and I think I'm not alone in thinking that, you know, with the strong start we had, we, we were looking, you know, quite positive for, uh, you know, to pick up some points away there. But 
I don't know what seems to happen with us at the moment, but we seem to concede a goal. Our heads seem to drop. We seem to forget our game plan. And uh, well, as you saw, that that seems to be precisely what happened, mate. And uh, if we're being, you know, truly honest, Tom, the, the first half from a Pompey perspective wasn't it wasn't too bad. You know, we actually were in the game for the majority of the half. The goal to concede was a sloppy one in terms of you know the way you look at it defensively not picking up Michael Smith at the back post, one of the, the division's leading goal scorers and, of course, being a former Pompey player as well. And the fact that he was probably the tallest man on the pitch, that is criminal. Yeah, definitely. As you said there, um, you know, we, we started well. I was I was impressed with us. You know, I remember thinking to myself, we're looking good here. I think we're looking on top, first 20, 25 minutes especially. Um, then typical Pompey, you know, we don't take advantage of what, we, what we're doing. And... Um, I, Obviously, another ex-player comes and haunts us, and uh, yeah, stooping at the back to get in there, not even challenged, I don't think, and he's he's put it in front. Um, sorry, put Rotherham in front of hasn't he? So, you know, it, it just kind of went downhill a bit from there, really, going into the going into the break. But um, yeah, no, we should have capitalised in the first half, and to let you know, Michael Smith with that much space, as you said, one of the best strikers in the champ um, in League One to that, you know. To score like that is just ridiculous, to be honest. Probably another one of those games, Mark, where, if, if I'm being honest, I don't, I don't think it was the worst Pompey performance we've ever seen. But it was one of those matches where you, you go to a, a Rotherham side who are expected to be at the top end of the division this season. They're up, they're down, they're up, they're down. They can't seem to just find their feet in any league. But they will be up there at the end of the season. They take their chances, as emphasised on Saturday afternoon. Pompey don't. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, I read a stat recently that sort of told me that Rotherham generally don't really start their seasons off very well and always end up seeing to be getting promoted or at least being in the mix every year. So, I mean, I always knew it was going to be a tough game. Um, and and then, as you say, you know, they, they're up and down, they're up and down, but they've got some quality players there and we, we, should, have, we should have known. I mean, Michael Smith proved himself last year in the Championship, got a few goals, had a few teams interested in him, and we just, we just didn't seem to take him seriously at the back. One player who did uh, take his chance in a blue shirt on Saturday, uh, Tom, was uh, Marcus Harness, scoring his second goal in, a, in as many league games at the weekend. Marcus Harness, a great finish at three minutes into the second half, and that was the kind of reaction we were hoping for Pompey coming out of that half-time break. Definitely, definitely. I think it was three minutes, four minutes within the restart. Um, so it was fantastic response. Uh, you know, even better finish, in my opinion. That's two and two for him now, I think it is. Um, so nice to see him getting a bit of form and getting back in the limelight again. Um, you'd expect with that goal to for us to push on, but then obviously, you know, you know what happens next. And, and speaking of Marcus Harness, uh, Mark, in terms of outfield players, probably one of the best really we've seen all season there's not been a lot to choose from if we're again if we're being brutally honest given that that poor run of form between mid-august and and really mid-october currently now really one win in the last nine league matches marcus harness when you need him he is there and, and he's been one of the shining lights of this campaign Yes, yeah, it's, it's a shame, really, because you know our four players. I think at the moment are starting to show up. Uh, Ronan Curtis, Marquis, Harness. They've actually been putting in some really good displays recently. I've been really impressed with our with our front line and our and our attacking threat. It just seems to to me that we've you know decided to take a back seat for that Rotherham game defensively. And uh, you know, as you saw, there were some really sort of sleepy, lazy defensive displays in there, especially with the marking. And uh, just we, we seem to just be. I can't put a finger on it really defensively. Okay, Tom, Mark, thank you both ever so much for your input so far. Now we're going to hear the post-match thoughts of head coach Danny Cowley. He spoke to Ollie Marsh on the touchline at the New York Stadium following the final whistle. Well, Danny, a 4-1 defeat to Rotherham. What's your assessment of that game and that performance? I think for 55 minutes we have a, have a good place in the game. We worked really hard to, to find the equaliser. I thought they scored against the run of play. But at the time, I thought we, we had good control against a very good Rotherham team. We conceded the first goal, which is disappointing. We let too many crosses down our left-hand side. We knew that Michael Smith would be a threat, peeling onto our back post. We come in, we regroup at half-time, we come out second half. I think we had a really good start to the second half, score a fantastic goal, get to 1-1. We then concede a goal, we make an individual mistake. These things happen and we can't capitulate the way we did. We conceded three goals in maybe seven minutes, which is just unacceptable. And um, we 
have to be much more durable, much more resilient and much more gritty in the disappointing moments. We, we don't respond well to disappointment, this group, and we've got to um, evaluate and look at ways of trying to improve in that area. Yeah, because of course the first half it was even on every metric as part from the scoreline, so was that a disappointment in itself that you went behind at the break? Well, I thought up until they scored, we just felt in a, in a really good place in the game. We just felt that we had the control of possession and we played the game in their half. I thought we had five or six good moments in the first half and then probably just didn't find the final execution or didn't make the right decision once we got into a good area. We come in at half-time and there's a couple of little areas that we wanted to try to improve on. I thought we come out and just was in a really good place and we score and we get to 1-0 and you think, right, OK, can we push on from here? We felt like we had the rhythm in the game and then we can see the, the goal. You know, this, Gavin's been brilliant for us to this point. Goalkeepers will make mistakes regardless of what age they are. But, you know, good teammates dig each other out when they have a difficult moment and help each other out of that tricky situation. And, and we didn't. And we just didn't respond. And I can't give you the reasons why. But I think today we saw what good looks like in League One. I think they looked at, you know, credit to Rotherham. I think they've been together a long time. I thought they looked powerful. I looked athletic. Had real physicality. Had an out standing number nine and ended up worthy winners. And after the fourth goal you made three subs in, in quite quick succession. Just talk us through those changes if you can. Yeah, well before one down, we have a game Tuesday um, and you make changes, you know, probably at that point. If I had seven or eight changes, I would have made them because we just can't show that response to disappointment. We have to be much more resolute than that. We have to be much, much more resolute if we want to be a good team. Good teams have to find ways of winning away from home. And um, at the moment, we haven't got the substance in the group to be able to dig out those victories. And just looking at the positives you can pick out of that, of course, you got the goal, which was a well-worked goal to make it 1-1. And also Conor Ogilvy coming back into the side, who I know you've been wanting to bring back in for a while. Yeah, that was a positive to get, to get Connor through 90 minutes. I think we've seen how light we are defensively. And yeah, that, that was a positive. And obviously Marcus, I thought, played really well, got a really good goal. And yeah, just to try to build from that moment. And it's so um, incredibly disappointing that we couldn't do that. And I, I feel for the supporters, because again, they come in in numbers here today. And uh, you know that response to conceding the second goal is nowhere near acceptable. And, and ultimately, listen, it's, it's my responsibility. And, I, and I'll always take that. And rightly so. The post-match thoughts of uh, Danny Carley following the final whistle on Saturday there, Tom. And at the end, Danny Carley highlighting that he will take the blame. He will take the responsibility for that defeat. Now, a question I want to ask you, Danny Carley, Nicky Carley, new to this, you know, this Pompey way. They are new, you know, relatively new to the club. Are they starting to feel a little bit of pressure now following the, you know, the poor run of results we've, we've endured? I think so. Listening to that just then, Danny Cowley sounded almost a bit broken. He sounded very deflated. Um, and I think the pressure might be ramping up a little bit. I saw a stat the other day, like the first 15 games compared to Kenny Jackett's first 15 games, and it wasn't too dissimilar. Um, but the point being, yeah, no, I think... I think the two of them might be feeling a bit of pressure. Um, not necessarily because of all the results. It might be because of the fans as well, because, you know, we're, we're a difficult fan base to please. Um, and uh, results like that aren't, aren't going to go well for them. Um, I think Tuesday's huge now, especially against a team like Ipswich, who, to be fair, aren't doing as well as... Um, aren't as doing as, um, as well as everyone else is as well. But, yeah, I think I think um, if we get a bad result Tuesday, it could it could start to get quite quite nasty. And we indicate that it, it might be now a pressure period for the Cowleys, Mark, but that, that by no means suggests that we think they're not the right people to take Portsmouth forward because, you know, we've so often said this is possibly a transition season for the Cowleys, for Pompey, one transfer window not quite being enough to completely rebuild the squad and get them to play the way that they want the team to play. So as much as they are under pressure, are you still confident that these are the guys to take the club forward? Yeah, I think I am. I mean, you know, you got to remember we're playing a completely different brand of football to what we played under Jacket. He's brought 14 players in there from, you know, probably almost 14 different clubs. All, all those players have played under different managers, different sort of tactical um, balances as well. So everyone is, you know, it's a joint effort. Everyone's learning how to play to the best of our game. So it's going to be a season of transition. And I think Pompey fans have just got to sort of give the club and the management a little bit more leeway because... We're not going to we're not going to get the results that everyone wants straight away. Uh, we just got to like 
we've got to go for that transition phase. It's really important to let the manager bed in and to give him a chance. It's you know we need to give him a chance. Yeah. Uh, don't forget, Pompey fans from back home, get in touch tonight with us uh, for between now and seven o'clock. We've got a few coming in already. We'll read those out after the break. Do you agree with uh, what Mark has just said there? Do we need to give? Danny Cowley, a bit of time to try and get Pompey back up to the championship. Is this going to be more than a one-season job? All the usual ways to get in touch at ExpressFM if you're on Twitter. Pompey at ExpressFM.com is where to send your emails. You can text your name and message starting with the word Express to 81400 or you can find us on Facebook.com forward slash Pompey Live. After the break, we're going to hear from uh, Pompey History Society Chairman Colin Farmery who talks about the importance of preserving Pompey's heritage for all to enjoy and learn from. History is not just about facts and figures, you know, it's also about feelings. And I think what this exhibition does is it captures both sides of that. We've got the facts and figures, we've got how great that team was by wins, draws and losses, but we've also got the feeling, what it was like to be in Portsmouth in that immediate post-war period when your team was the best in the country bar none. So stick with us here on the Football Hour and join us again shortly and we'll hear that full conversation with Colin. Don't go anywhere. This is the Football Hour, 93.7 Express FM. Welcome back to the Football Hour here on Express FM, where I'm tonight joined by Tom Malley and Mark McGee to review the events of Saturday's 4-1 defeat away to Rotherham United. Very soon we'll hear the thoughts of Colin Farmery from the Pompey History Society. But before we do so, we've got a few messages to read out from back home and a, a few more points to pick apart from the weekend's loss as well. At Mockers on Twitter, good evening to you. He says, you have to admire Danny Cowley for shouldering the blame for Saturday's defeat, but it's about time some senior players stood up and were counted. It is their performances which can decide a manager's fate, good or bad. Play at Pompey Mockers on Twitter there. And uh, I'll come to you for this one, Tom. You know... This was an argument we had for for so many shows, even during the Kenny Jacket era. It's not always the manager who should be shouldering uh, the responsibility for for defeats like this. I know a lot of you know managers come into criticism for their team selection, the way they set up. What, what do you see Saturday? What, what did that come down to? Was this a, a, a mistake from Danny Cowley, or was this something where you see the players should actually stepped up stepped up to the plate a little bit more? I personally think it was the players. Um, I, I I sent a frustrated tweet out after the game. I just I just could not get my head around the fact how we go on to concede three goals in eight minutes so soon after equalising. You know, surely a team should be on the high. And you know, my, my point is is that this is the team, in my opinion, for this one. As Danny Cowley was saying in that interview, there. Um, we played, we played a while ago, you know, that players' heads drop quickly. We don't like disappointment. And as soon as we go 2-1 down from a silly mistake, the team doesn't know how to respond to that. They don't know how to pick themselves up. And, you know, before you know it, they score two more. And um, on this occasion, it was the team for me. I, th- I don't think Danny Cowley could have done much more. I mean, maybe maybe the selection, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it was a partic- particularly bad one. Um, I was quite happy with it, to be honest. But um, on this occasion, yeah, I definitely think that the players need to step up and take responsibility. Mm. Um, you know, the manager's always going to have faults, but ultimately it's not always going to be his, his own fault at the end of the day. Discussed as well on the show uh, after the game on Saturday, Mark, was the, the kind of difference between maybe what would have happened on Saturday if we were managed under the previous regime because believe it or not there were comments on social media saying that we should have Jacket back which everyone's entitled to their opinion Mark but okay Um, look the the difference between this is that Danny Cowley likes to play this attacking expansive football or at least he's trying to implement that within this team maybe the quality just isn't quite there within some players maybe under a Kenny Jacket side we would have lost that game as well 1 or 2 nil. The difference is we like to go out all out on attack. We concede a lot of goals. But do you prefer the way that we're playing, that that we are trying to get wins, we are trying to get up the pitch and score goals? Or or maybe you do prefer the old Kenny Jacket way where we sit back, invite the pressure and concede last-minute winners every game? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, Jake, I think me and you touched on it in the break there. Look, under Kenny Jacket, we would not have got that that leveller because, you know, the Ryan Tunnicliffe press, the high press that... 
Danny Cowley implements into the side, we wouldn't have got that equaliser. And yeah, okay, maybe under Kenny Jacket we might have been a bit tighter at the back and we may have conceded less goals. But if you want expensive attacking football, you're going to take risks. You're playing a higher line. I mean, Kevin Bazzani is almost on the halfway line when we're attacking. You know, you just got to look at that as, a, as an example. So you want attacking football, you've got to be prepared to take risks. And unfortunately, like Tom touched on there, you know, players have got to stand up and take responsibility. Concede seven or eight goals. Uh, sorry, sorry, to concede three goals in seven or eight minutes is just, you know, the, the players have got to shoulder the responsibility there. Bit of credit as well to uh, Ryan Tunnicliffe for playing his part in that Pompey goal as well. We we gave the credit to Marcus Harness for the great finish and the, the decent little bit of form that he's in at the moment. But Ryan Tunnicliffe persisting not to give up on that ball. It was a great challenge to win possession back and lay off Harness for the goal. But uh, Gavin Bazuna as well, Tom. Again, believe it or not, I've seen comments on social media since the game saying that Gavin Bazunu is not good enough. Really? Mm, that's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> um, there was a save specifically in the first half he made. I think it was point blank. You know what? It might have been Michael Smith. Um, I can't. I can't be. I can't be too sure on that. But point blank range, and uh, once again he gets his hand in the way to save it. Um, just because he makes one mistake, um, you know, after. Every other game he's played, I don't think he's made he's made any others. Um, to call for his head already, or you know, say say these ridiculous comments is is um, well uh, stupid in my opinion. Um, he's a quality keeper, and to be honest, I reckon he might even be better than McGillivray uh, at the moment. Um, and that's a big shout. Might be a controversial one, but it, you know, if he's not already better, he will be better. Um, so yeah, give, he'll probably you know pull out a few saves on on Tuesday to save us from Ipswich, and and he'll be back in the praises again. But to call for his head already, or you know to criticise him is uh, is out of order in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, some more comments coming in on social media. Tim in Portsmouth says the Cowleys have won two of the last eight matches at the end of last season, and have won just four from twelve this season, which equals six wins in the last twenty. Bang average, says Tim in Portsmouth. Uh, and Gav Jones on Twitter who says, "Good evening, gents. Don't ask me why, but regard." of Saturday's result I've strangely got a very good feeling about tomorrow and my gut keeps telling me that we win 3-0 side note are you guys worried how much we are relying on one player in brackets Clark Robertson Uh, good point there Gav I think uh, Clark Robertson's injury has certainly cost Pompey dear in the last couple of matches Mark I'll throw that one uh, over to you mate Clark Robertson have we missed him yeah, I think, um, you know, it speaks for itself. I mean, he came with a big reputation. And, and you know what? I mean, I'm going to go as far as saying when, when he was in the back line in the first few games of the season, he really reminded me of uh, Matt Clark. I mean, I know that's an outrageous comment, but the way he brings the ball out of defence and the, the calmness that he brought. I mean, you know, we haven't, we haven't got bad replacements, but they're certainly not ready-made left-footed centre-backs, are they? So, of course, we're going to miss him. You know, he's played us from top size. He played at Rotherham and they're in the Championship. We're going to miss a player of that magnitude. Um I just want to say on a side note with the Gavin Bazanu claim that you uh, you know heard over the weekend, Jake. Uh, the man saves a penalty from Ronaldo, but you know <laughs> it's not good enough for some Pompey fans, is it? He, he pulled off a cracking save in the first half, like like Tom mentioned just a few moments ago. The, the kind of scoop, scooping the ball off the line and, and throwing it back out, and the amount of points that Gavin Bazanu has saved Pompey this season. We've relied on him so much. One mistake yeah. does not define a player. He's 19 years old. He's already uh, number one for his country, and he's already highly tipped by Pep Guardiola. Mentioned there, he saved a Ronaldo penalty. Might not have the clean sheets this season, but he's certainly, he's certainly probably the top top performer in this Pompey squad this campaign. Got to be our best player. So. Yeah, I, I just think it's ludicrous. Everyone can have an opinion. Yeah, of course you can. Of course you can. <laughs> uh, some emails here then, and uh, oh, the regret diving into these, aren't I? Uh, Graham Wilkins. Uh, Hi, lads. Unfortunately, we don't have out-and-out strikers that score on a regular basis. And Marquis blows hot and cold. If we can get a half-decent goal scoring with January window, that would be a great plus. Maybe another tall centre-half if Robertson is still sidelined. It looks like I may get my wish uh, weather-wise, so I'm expecting a good, good win tomorrow night against Cookies Tractor Boys. I expect a chaplain will get a consolation goal as well. As far as uh, Cowley's role at Pompey, they need a while to get the team they want. And with a little more money to spend, I believe this will be the case. Maybe not this season, but maybe next. I, for one, will be more than happy to get a playoff position and hope to go one better more uh, than en- on, on any other occasion. Thank you to Graham Wilkins on the emails there. And Alan Swift. Hi again, Jake. The question of giving more time was answered under Jacket. He had four years without improvement, so how can we justify more time as it totally depends on day-to-day events? Managers choose their squad, motivate them, train them and select the team. Some of you are so very naive. Cheers, Alan. Uh, Tom, your thoughts on that email? 
Um, yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, the managers do select and train the team, but at the end of the day, the players need to put those, um, you know, what they've been taught on the training grounds into action. You know, Danny Cowley and Nicky Cowley, they can only stand there and bark their orders on the sideline. They're not, you know, that's that's about as far as it goes for them. The players need to understand what their jobs are and what their roles are. Um, and put them into practice, you know. As I think you said earlier in the show, or um, you know, we're going to get, we're going to come up against teams that are better than us, and we might not be able to deal with it. And that's fine, that's fine. But make sure that we're doing the jobs we need to do, and not just give in so easily like we did on on Saturday. Um, I think it's a, it's it's a case of this team being very new and potentially not really knowing what their full ability is yet I mean why they wouldn't I'm not quite sure but it could be a possibility who knows but they uh, they should by now know what they're doing on the training ground know what way they should be playing know what they're working towards and know how to execute it and if if they're still struggling to do that then it, it is worrying um whether that's something the manager can do I, d I don't know it's it's difficult because we're not there to see it ourselves on the on the training ground are we maybe I am naive Mark Maybe yeah. maybe I don't want Pompey to be a, a sacking club like Watford, for example, or, or, or Norwich or someone like that. But I, I just don't think that the 18th of October, when there's 32, 33 league games remaining of the campaign, we've seen glimpses of promise within this team. We know that probably another two transfer windows needed to, to mould this squad together. I don't know. No. I think with any other manager, you would, you know, if you're from the outside looking in, You'd say if a club was if, if we were to sack Cowley now, you would say as an outside fan looking in from another club, you, you'd say why don't they give him more time? Come on, you would. I mean, we just got to use a bit of common sense. I mean, you know, it's, we're not going to expect miracles overnight. We're in October, plenty of games to go. There's been plenty of teams that have come back from worse positions and challenged. So let's just let's just give them some time. Uh, a tweet in again from uh, from Mockers got back involved. He says the men and women in white coats uh, should be collecting the Pompey fans who don't rate Gavin Bazzuni. Uh, thank you to Mockers for getting in touch there. Okay, I think we're going to leave leave it there in terms of a review of Saturday. I don't think we need to talk too much more about that. We've had our we've had our little bit of fun, haven't we? Okay, now we're going to hear from uh, uh, Pompey History Society Chairman Colin Farmery. Colin was, uh, yeah, he invited me down to Fratton Park on Friday afternoon to see the unveiling of uh, a new corridor in the South Stand. This is to commemorate the history of Pompey's Champions of England squads of 1949 and 1950. It was the, uh, the, the first look at this memento, at this exhibition event, and uh, I was lucky enough to be invited down. So once again, thank you to Colin Farmery and the team at the Pompey History Society for welcoming us along. I uh, I interviewed Colin after the event to get his thoughts on the event and just how they got the funding to do so. I'm Colin Farmery and I'm chair of the Pompey History Society. It's been a long time in gestation, this project, and, and, and the COVID intervening hasn't helped. But I'm very, very proud of the outcome because I think it lives up to the concept I had in my mind, I think, of what, what we could achieve with this project. But also I'm, I'm chuffed for everybody who's been involved in it because there's getting on for 100 people in one way and another, probably more that have been involved in this project. They volunteered to do interviews. You know, I've had a, a great project manager in Samantha Middleton who's kind of done that all the team at the Pompey History Society support from the university support from the football club support from the news but above all I think the people who have come forward with their memories and their artifacts I hope and I think I've done them justice and I hope I and I think that I've done the players who played in that team justice as well you mentioned in the presentation the difficulty in getting this project up and running. Whilst the Pompey History Society is recognised by the football club, you are self-funded. Could you talk us through the bids of the Heritage Lottery Fund and what that money has gone toward? OK, well, um, I mean, initially the History Society decided that we were going to mark the 70th anniversary of Pompey winning the league in 1949 and 50 anyway. And we did that two ways. First of all, we started our social media feed where we were putting stuff up day by day from August 2018 onwards through the two seasons. Also, we were doing a regular column in the club programme, which was another thing we were doing independently. We'd also received some funds from fans off the back of when Michael Eisner bought the club, those fan shareholders, some of them donated their money to the society so we had uh, about £30,000 of funding there part of which we used, about half of it we used to buy a two-third size replica of the EFL Football League trophy as, as it was then but at that point, we kind of thought, well, we've invested quite a lot in this. And through our contacts with Exeter City Football Club and the Grecian Archive at Exeter, they kind of said, well, why don't you do a Heritage Lottery Fund bid? You know, we've done quite a few of these and, you know, don't ask, you don't get effectively. So we put
brought together a team of stakeholders. We had the news, we had the University of Portsmouth Football Club, obviously, wrote the bid, right to say it was a predominantly oral history bid, submitted it, and you know, I'm pleased to say on the on the day I was driving back from seeing Pompey reach Wembley at Berry, I got an email to say that we'd also received £80,000 of public money to tell this fantastic story of when Pompey were the best team in the league. And so having done it once, you know, I'd, I'd like to think that, that we've delivered a good project here and maybe there are other things that we could do. You know, personally, I think the story of women's football in, in Portsmouth is a fascinating one and one that could, could you know, potentially do. We've got the 125th anniversary of the club coming up as well in 23-24, so that'll be another opportunity potentially to look to bid for something. But yeah, I'm incredibly proud today. I, I think it's, uh, and I, I'm proud of all the all the people that have delivered it, but above all, I'm, I hope and I think the people who uh, came to the games, gave us their memories and the players, I think they'll be proud as well. Just how important do you think it is to be preserving this sort of history, not only for supporters and residents past and present to enjoy, but also for the future generations to be able to use it and learn from? Well, I mean, it's important on two levels. I think on the first level, it's important to be able to tell people in a tangible way just how good Pompey were, right, and how good they could be. But on the other side of it, I think it's also important in terms of capturing the mood of the era. And I think somebody said today, somebody else said about the fact that, you know, history, it's not just about facts and figures, you know, it's also about feelings. And I think what this exhibition does is it captures both sides of that. We've got the facts and figures, we've got how great that team was by you know wins draws and losses but we've also got the feeling what it was like to be in Portsmouth in that immediate post-war period when your team was the best in the country bar none mm. and just a final question from me the connection with the University of Portsmouth and how they've helped with this project as well as the support from the club too how crucial has all of that been well, I think obviously you know, we were natural bedfellows in that regard. You know, the, the history department and the media department at the University of Portsmouth were, were obvious ones to work with. Clearly, the fact that they had a relationship with the football club facilitated that, and we, you know, the, the, so the the doors that might have otherwise been you know only ajar were kind of wide open for us to go through. So I think you know the partnership with the university and the football club I think is a really strong one, and I think it's a very complementary one as well because Portsmouth Football Club it is at the heart of the city. It's at the cultural historical, sporting all of those kind of things which touches all the bases for the university as well so it's a great partnership and both them and the news and the football club have been terrific to work with. Once again a huge thank you to Colin Farmery from the Pompey History Society for inviting us down to what what was a fantastic event on a Friday afternoon really looking forward to supporters being able to see uh, the incredible corridor they've got up in the south stand which it, it, it highlights the, the events of 1949, 19. 50 when Pompey were champions of England back to back dominating you know the country's football and you know bringing old black and white photos to life in, in colour through his corridor as well quotes from players from around about that time family members too people who lived in the city in that in that post-war period as well it really is touching as well so I, I do advise anyone who can get on get on a stadium tour or or kind of sitting the lounges for a game if you can see the corridor it, it is brilliant so once again thank you to Colin and the team at the Pompey History Society not only for Friday but for for all of your hard work in trying to preserve what is a, a great history of this football club. OK, we've uh, blitzed past uh, 20 to 7 here on the Football Hour, which means we've not got long at all left to preview tomorrow's game. We're going to head to a quick break now, but after which we're going to be looking ahead to tomorrow's visit of Ipswich Town. Get in touch to avoid missing out. Let us know your score predictions as well, all the usual ways, uh, at ExpressFM on Twitter. 81400 is the number to text. Start your messages with the word express. Email Pompey at expressfm.com or go to facebook.com forward slash Pompey Live. Enjoy myself, Mark and Tom after the break and uh, getting getting in touch as well between now and 7 o'clock. You're listening to Express FM and this is the Football Hour. This is the Football Hour 93.7 Express FM. Welcome back to the Football Hour here on Express FM. Joining me uh, live this evening is uh, Tom Malley and Mark McGee. And before we do actually preview uh, tomorrow's visit of Ipswich Town to Fratton Park, a reminder of the FA Cup first round draw result. The Blues have been uh, drawn at home to Harrow Borough of the, uh, the seventh tier of non-league football, that is Harrow Borough, uh, coming down to Fratton Park on the weekend commencing the 5th and 6th of November. So it's a home tie a non-league tie as well Tom your, your thoughts on the draw would, would you prefer a non-league side at home would you prefer an away day 
Tough one, actually, because I think it depends on what your ambitions for the Cup this season are. I think everyone wants to get to the third round, so therefore you want as easy a route to get to as possible. Um, so this one kind of, well, I'll probably uh, shoot myself in the foot with this one, but this one is an ideal um, ideal tie for us if we want to get to the third round, definitely. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, there probably weren't too many big away days in there for us. I mean, non-league ones, it's always nice to visit new grounds, isn't it? But the allocations are never usually that big for Pompey fans. So uh, it's hit and miss sometimes. But um, yeah, and either way, you know, it's a good draw for us should we want to make it through. Um, just hope that the players and the managers step up to it and uh, don't cause us some embarrassment. Obviously a winnable game, Mark. But the last thing Pompey need at this stage of the season, when we are enduring the form we are in now, when the fan base is a bit divided in opinion between players and managers and everything, the last thing you want is to, to bow out of the FA Cup to a, to a non-league side. A non-league side in the seventh tier of non-league football, that is really not what you, what you want for, for a confidence or morale decline, is it? So as much as it is a winnable tide and on paper an easy one for Pompey to get to the second round, it is a huge banana skin. Yeah, it is. I mean, I'm going to put my non-league hat on here and just sort of, you know, uh, get excited for for the other club, Harrow, um, because, oh, you know, it's going to be a massive day for them. But, I mean, yeah, you're right. It's, it's a potential banana skin and, and, and knowing our luck, we'll probably pick up a nice key injury there for one of our squad members as well. Um, but, you know, fingers crossed uh, we win that game nice and comfortably, give the younger lads a bit of a run out um, and, yeah, just put it to bed, you know. OK, it is time now to move on and preview tomorrow's visit of Ipswich Town to Fratton Park. Keep those text tweets and predictions in uh, to us Pompey fans from back home. But before we do go any further, we're going to hear from Connor Mosley, who takes a closer look at tomorrow's opposition, the Tractor Boys. It's a return to home turf this midweek for the Blues, who'll be looking to recover from Saturday's horror show at Rotherham. Up next at Fratton Park, Ipswich Town. Pompey Live, this week's opposition. The Tractor Boys of East Anglia stand as Pompey's next task, with a familiar face representing the away team dugout. Let's find out a little bit more about the opponents from Portman Road. Manager. Ipswich are now under the management of former Blues boss Paul Cook, who led Pompey to the League 2 title in 2017. The now 54-year-old left Fratton Park just weeks after the promotion success, taking up the position at League One promotion hopefuls Wigan Athletic, despite telling local press he'd only leave for Liverpool. Cook won the title with the Latics that following season and saw them through two championship campaigns, resigning in July 2020, following the club's relegation back down to the third tier, albeit as a result of a points deduction. March of this year saw the Kirkby-born gaffer move on to his next job, Ipswich Town hiring Cookie on a two-year contract. He's since managed just eight wins from 31 competitive fixtures in charge of the Tractor Boys. One to watch. Ipswich Town have a whole host of players to keep tabs on, so you might need a second or third pair of eyes for this match. Paul Cook has the likes of Wes Burns, Joe Piggott, Scott Fraser, Louis Barry, a Bursant Shalina within his ranks. But of course, there's only one player destined to put on a show upon his return to PO4. That man is former Blues striker Connor Chaplin, who left the South Coast to join Coventry City on loan in 2018. The 24-year-old went on to join the Sky Blues in January 2019, before moving on to Barnsley just six months later for an undisclosed fee, signing a four-year deal at Oakwell. Chaplin then linked back up with the old gaffer Cook in July of this year, once more a transfer fee undisclosed. Since his move to Portman Road, he's scored two in five matches. Top scorer. Ipswich-born striker Macaulay Bond currently leads the way with nine league goals under his belt so far this term. Just one behind the division's top scorer, Cole Stockton. The 25-year-old who spent six years in the youth academy at Portman Road between 2003 and 2009 is currently on loan from championship side Queen's Park Rangers. Bon has had quite a remarkable goal-scoring return since bursting onto the scene with Leighton Orient in 2017, netting 45 in 90 games for the O's before scoring 11 in 36 for Charlton. Current form. Ipswich had an appalling start to the season by their hefty expectations, failing to win a league match in any of their first six attempts, losing also in both the Carabao Cup and EFL Trophy before that maiden victory on September the 18th. Since that win over Lincoln City, the Tractor Boys have won two, drawn two and lost one in the league. 
recording a 6-0 victory over Doncaster Rovers in the process. They now sit 15th in League One, just three places behind Pompey. A win for Paul Cook's side would see them leapfrog the Blues in the standings for the first time this season. So can Danny Cowley turn things around at Fratton Park? Or will it be yet another disappointing evening for the Blues? All of the unmissable action on Pompey Live. Big thank you to Connor Mosley for providing a bit more insight into Ipswich Town for visitors to Fratton Park tomorrow evening. Uh, Tom, Ipswich Town, not a great start to the season. A win for them tomorrow would see them leapfrog Pompey, so we won't talk about their bad start to the season too much because Pompey haven't exactly had the greatest start of themselves. But it, it is a return of uh, former Pompey gaffer Paul Cook and I imagine it would be quite an unwelcome return. Yeah, well, he's already been back once before. I think it's once before, maybe twice. I yeah. think it's once um, with, with Wigan, and uh, that was quite a sour affair for him. And um, I think that season, it was our first season back in League One, and um, yeah, he didn't beat us. So uh, that was a positive, and hopefully it could be the same again this season. Um, as you said there, they've had an appalling start to the season. Um, they've sort of caught up with us a little bit due to our poor form recently. Um, it's going to be tough, and uh, it should be a great atmosphere, though. It should be really good. Um, two good teams, and as you say, Paul Cook coming back as well as Connor Chaplin. Yeah, Connor Chaplin returning to Fratton Park as well. This also his second return uh, to PO4 since his Coventry days. Mark, a, a different player to the one that left uh, PO4 somewhat three or four years ago now. Yeah, I think I'll send you just, just on the break there. He's he's a much more complete player now. You know, almost almost a number 10. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's bulked up a lot by the looks of it. He's, he's got some impressive numbers for Barnsley. Quite surprising to see him in League One, actually. I thought he would have stayed in the Championship. He's, he's definitely going to be a danger. Him and him, Macaulay Bone uh, are going to have to really, really be on our heels for those two. Uh, a poor start of the season by their expectations, Tom, as we mentioned, but just looking through their team, Macaulay Bond, Connor Chaplin, Louis Barry, the uh, the young sensation from Aston Villa, who of course came onto the scene almost two years ago in that Carabao Cup fixture against Liverpool, Bersant Chalina, the former Manchester City youngster, and, and Joe Piggott, who I think a lot of Pompey fans would have welcomed him with open arms to Fratton Park at the start of the season, but they've got so much threat, and they're not utilising it at the moment but it's certainly a team to look out for it's not going to be a walk in the park for Pompey by any stretch of the imagination absolutely not their attack is only something we could dream of um, it's absolutely criminal to the players they've got to be in this league um, how they're not at top of the league I, I don't know I do not understand that one bit um, you know we can only, like I said we can only dream of an attack like they've got um, you know Macaulay Bond James, uh, Joe Piggott James Norwood to name a few um, it's, it's, it's just ridiculous Um and because of that, I'm, I'm slightly worried for our defence. I mean, as I've said, Ipswich have had a poor start. They really haven't hit the heights they should have. So, you know, that's that's a bit of a positive for us. Um, but, you know, typical Pompey, this could be... It, it could go either two, one of two ways, couldn't it? You know, we could, we could deal with this really well. They could absolutely turn us over and, and humiliate us. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, that attack is certainly something to be, to be wary of, and I hope the defence is prepared for it. An email here from Dave Byrne who says it won't be goalless. I, like most of us, just want to see a response to the Rotherham performance. If that happens, the result will hopefully take care of itself. If I was putting money down, then the best I'd go for is a two or draw. But keeping the faith, I will go for a 2-1 win under the lights. Player Pompey, Dave in lists. And also returning to Fratton Park tomorrow, Mark, is Ronan, Curti uh, Ronan Curtis. They call him Ronan Curtin, then. Ronan Curtis, who uh, is, is now finished with his suspension after picking up five... Uh, yellow cards in the league missed the, the Rotherham game on Saturday and whilst he probably was a, a big miss in terms of going forward probably not the worst game to miss in hindsight was it but it would be great to see him back yeah and to be honest I mean you know we all saw the Sunderland game he was he was a key key part of that victory and he's one of our informed players at the moment and I think between him Harness and you know dare I say John Marcus I think you know we've got we've got as good a threat as any at the moment in uh in League One um, so you know I'm, I'm going to welcome his return I'm feeling quite optimistic about tomorrow uh, surprisingly so uh, you know uh, we did it against Sunderland I'm feeling fairly optimistic because uh, we seem to like upsetting Paul Cook don't we so uh, I'm feeling quite optimistic uh, a tweet in here from Mockers again who says Paul Cook has signed some high quality attacking players hard to see Ipswich not surging up the League One table in the next few months which just goes to emphasise 
It's not done yet. There's plenty of the season remaining. Ipswich are probably going to be out there at the end of the season. Hopefully alongside Pompey as well. We can hope. We can hope. OK, time for some score predictions then. Uh, Tom Malley, will start with you. Confident, not confident? What do you reckon? I'm confident we won't lose. Um, purely because we like turning over teams like this when we want to and when we need to step up to the plate. I think this one's got goals in it. I'm tempted to go 3-3. It could even be 2-2. I'm going to go 2-2. OK. 2-all, says uh, Tom. Mark McGee, your score prediction, please. I'm going to go for a nice classic Tuesday night under lights, 2-1. OK. That makes my score prediction look poor. I'm going for a one-all draw. Yeah, I'll take a point after Saturday, I think. Yeah, I think Yeah, I think <laughs> most of us would actually. Not overly yeah. optimistic, uh, given what we've seen uh, in the last couple of weeks, but I'll go for a one or draw. But like you said, Tom, um, the way that Pompey are this season, we, we've got the capability of, of turning teams over like this when we need a response. So hopefully we will see that at Fratton Park tomorrow evening. Tom Malley, thank you ever so much for joining us this evening. It's been great to finally meet you in person. Great to have you on the show again, mate. Have a fantastic week and uh, wishing for two points... Uh, two points three points tomorrow absolutely mate thank you so much and Mark McGee as well Mark great to have you in the studio with us this evening mate thanks for coming on and uh, we'll see you we'll see you again soon always a pleasure mate cheers Jake Big thanks to Tom Malley and Mark McGee for joining me on the show this evening. And as always, a big thanks to Danny Cowley for providing us his post and pre-match thoughts here on the Football Hour. Big thank you to Colin Farmery for providing us that interview on Friday afternoon and, of course, welcoming us to Fratton Park to take a look at the Pompey Champions of England exhibition event. OK, that is it from us here on the Football Hour, but uh, your next Football Fix comes in around about 24 hours time. 7pm tomorrow, it is the return of Liam Howes, Ryan Stilwell and myself here on Express FM. Pompey Live is on your uh, on the airways from 7 o'clock through till around about 10pm. The Blues are at home to Ipswich Town, match day number 13 of this League One season. Just one win in the last eight league matches. Pompey are looking for a response after that 4-1 defeat on Saturday against Rotherham United. Do join us here at Express FM for all of the action live from Fratton Park. Everything we do is passionately Pompey. Fourth found away yet again. This is you wouldn't believe it. Pompey Live. An afternoon to forget for Pompey at Rotherham. Trying to take on Romeo. Trying to go round the outside. Ball into the box. It's a chance and it's a four for Rotherham. Up next, Paul Cook returns to Fratton Park under the floodlights. It's Pompey versus Ipswich Town. Join us for all unmissable action tomorrow from 7. Pompey Live on Express FM with Aqua Cars. Yes, do join us tomorrow evening from 7 for the visit of Ipswich Town to Fratton Park. OK, coming up here on Express FM this evening, after the 7 o'clock news, Jeff and Adrian are returning with the Soft Rock Show. They've got the latest by uh, Michael J. Cresswell, Mercury X Idols, Tears for Keen, uh, Tears for Fears and Keen as well, and uh, also news about Deep Purple's latest album. That 80 show returns with Kevin Stokes between 9 and 11pm this evening before the Express Wind Down takes you through to the early hours of Tuesday morning. Nicola Lashley is back with Express Breakfast tomorrow morning from 6.30 with more great songs. The latest on the roads, uh, travel, weather, sport, news updates. She's got the lot as well, as well as the Express Rewind from 9am. Liam Howes is back between 10 and 1, playing more great songs all day long. Ian James is here between one and four, chatting to local people, finding Pompey's musical geniuses with the lyric line, and also delivering the victory years from two o'clock, playing just great songs from the 70s, 80s and 90s. James Percy is back with drive time between four and six, and then he's back actually between six and seven with Express Rewind. And then of course, 7pm, it is the return of myself, Liam and Ryan here on Express FM for Pompey Live, Ipswich Town for Challengers in Match Day 13. We're looking forward to it and I hope you are to do join us tomorrow from seven but until then have a great evening and play at Pompey <laughs>